Well, love talking Super Bowl and love talking Hall of Fame. And, of course, love talking to one of my childhood heroes, his autograph that I got back in 1983, sits here in my museum office. He's been wheeling and dealing, doing business, probably talking to folks in Sin City, Canton, and Chicago. The legend himself, the great Kevin Butler, joins us. And KB, congratulations to your good friend, the great Steve Mongo McMichael. He is Canton bound. I know you and your Bears teammates. KB, you got to be over the moon. Well, we really are, Jeff. Great to hear hear your voice, and I uh, hope you're doing well. But, yeah, it was a uh, very special night last night um, for Steve and for, more importantly, all his teammates and all the people that have supported him, um, Steve. Is truly in a battle for his life. Um, he is um, has ALS, and um, he, you know it's a very debilitating disease. But Steve has been um, fighting it, and I think one thing that has really kept his fight going um, for him mentally is the opportunity to uh, make it to the greatest honor that you can have, being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And and last night it was a it was great to to kind of be there with him streaming um, when they announced it on TV a lot of teammates were at the house uh, his wife uh, Misty has really been uh, the backbone of that push and um, it all came through I, I was just so proud of him because as a football player um, there was nobody I ever played with that was tougher that was more prepared uh, to play his position uh, than Steve McMichael was. You know, he was the consummate pro. He was uh, all about uh, just winning. And his uh, kind of his mantra, what he did was, you know, you had to go out there and it was a physical fight and you had to beat your opponent down. And and he did that. Uh, he did that uh, as good as anybody did between the 80s and 90s. And last night, the uh, uh, all the former players and writers and everybody uh, – I took a look at it and said he deserved to be in and, and named him into the class. And it was a, a big cheer went up. Uh, you could see a little bit of movement in Steve's face. Uh, he knew what was going on. He can he can hear. He understands everything that's going on around him. He just can't um, get involved in that. Uh, but he certainly uh, has his, his, his brain and uh, his ears, and um, he certainly has feelings. And you can see he was moved last night. And I think that's a great example and how that determination and that toughness, what he had as a player, and how in many ways this drive and this goal of getting to pro football's ultimate destination there has kept him going. And uh, when you and I were talking about it with he was up for it, I guess we were talking about this towards the end of the Bulldogs season there and just saying, my goodness, I hope it goes through this year. Uh, because and as he is just fighting the most dreaded of diseases for somebody who did so much for the game, who was such a great character, uh, you want him to be around when he gets that award. So I'm just so happy. Like you said, Kevin, not just for him, but for his family and to all of his teammates. And you guys are so close-knit. I mean, in many ways, it's like a, a great class from a college team that you all got to see him experience that joy yeah i I think that's what we all uh knew you know i I, steve was probably uh, my my closest friend on the team um not only was he a great football player but every christmas 
<laughs> he would be at my house dressed up as Santa Claus on Christmas morning and, and, and freak my kids out. And, uh, he, he didn't have children at the time, um, but you knew he was going to be that, that kind of a father. And, and he certainly has a, a young teenage daughter now that um, is by his side and has helped take care of him. And um, it was unfortunate that, you know, he can't be as active as a parent as he would love to be. Um, that disease has taken that away from him, but um, to give great memories uh, for the family, for his daughter, to be able to look back um, on what their father was, what their husband was, um, and know that uh, you know his mind is still there, and it's just uh, it, it, it's tough, but it was also um, just fun, joyful, a lot of laughing. A lot of uh, you know highlights, uh, and and Steve was surrounded by his family and friends, and you couldn't ask for a better situation. When you get named to the Hall of Fame, you hope you are around family and friends, and not sitting in a room by yourself. But uh, it was a big night for Chicago. Uh, not only did Steve McMichael get in, but Devin Hester. Um, that uh, I hear in, in Atlanta, a lot of a lot of people claim him as a, a Atlanta Falcon, though he wore. a he wore a Falcon helmet for a little bit. The, the the man was a Chicago Bear, and he'll go in as a Chicago Bear. KB, that team, not only was it so great, and I think what makes it so special to so many people, the characters on there. Of course, there's Walter Payton, the greatest running back. When I think about the players that just epitomize the greatness of the 85 Bears, Mike Singletary, uh, you had Jim McMahon at quarterback, quite a character. The phenomenon of the fridge. KB literally – from your mullet to your foot, a huge part of that team. In many ways, though, and I think about guys like Wilbur Marshall and Dan Hampton and Richard Dent, Notice Wilson, so many great players there. Did Steve McMichael, though, just epitomize this team and what the 85 Bears were all about on and off the field, as much as any player on that great team? Yeah, I mean, he was um, he was that consummate pro. I mean, he was the guy that uh... – Anything he could do, he would do to help the team. Um, a lot of people don't know this. Steve was my backup place kicker, as funny as it may sound. Um, we had the square toe always in the kicking bag in case something happened, and Steve would step out there and and assume the kicking role. And um, there was a couple of preseason games where he enacted that and uh, you know, kind of tapped the, the other kicker on the shoulder and said, I'll be doing this when – and then as a kicker, you, you, you turn around and you look at Steve McMichael and you say, yes, sir. I mean, what, what are you going to say? You, you go, you know, I hope you make it. <laughs> um, but he was always there. Um, he was the guy that did 550 on the bench press, and he would do close, close grips. So what that means Ooh. is everybody always gets in that bench press position. Your, your arms are out wide. Well, he would come into where his thumbs touched. Oh boy! And do do five fifty from a from a close grip grip, do five pushes at five fifty, and then get off. And he just flex that arm and ask me to pinch the back of his arm. And you know it was like trying to pinch a steel pole. Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing was going to give. And uh, he says, you know that's that's where I've got to hit guys. If my arms are are way wide, um, yeah, you know, that means I'm on my back trying to push somebody off of me. You know, the, my physical part comes from inside out and, and you know and he worked on that you know certainly not as technical as uh, they are now with all the uh, you know everything you do to make your 
tells a little better. I mean, Steve was kind of old school, and, and, and he knew how to get himself into the best shape possible, and he did it. And, you know, fun part, he gets done with football, turns around and jumps in the WEW, and, and you know, he's one of the four horsemen with uh, Ric Flair and uh, had a crazy probably 10- or 12-year run in the wrestling world. And, um, you know, he lived a full life. That's uh, one thing he always said before he got to the point where communicating is hard. Um, he always looked at me and said, don't ever treat me different. Um, it's going to be me inside, just I'm not going to be the guy that I used to be, but I've worn my body out already. Um, so he, he wasn't scared about that. He wasn't uh, fearful of that situation. Um, he took it on just like he took on every challenge that he had from the day he was let go as a rookie by the Patriots um, until he retired um, with the Green Bay Packers of all teams. I have to throw in this story as well, KB. We were on the field prior to one of the SEC championship games, and the nature boy himself, the great Ric Flair, was down there. Next thing I know, you're up talking to him, and you guys are, are doing a FaceTime call with Steve McMichael. Uh, that could have been a TV show all in itself there. Kevin Butler, Ric Flair, and Steve McMichael. That was pretty epic stuff that day. Yeah, it was. You know, and uh, you know, Rick has been an unbelievable um, channel of support for Steve and, and Misty and um, bringing a lot of wrestlers uh, that, that got to know Steve as a teammate um, during then. But uh, Rick has always been there to help raise funds. Uh, to do whatever he could do to support Steve. And that's just another example. Um, I knew he had been up uh, seeing Steve uh, like two weeks before. We ran into each other up there um, seeing Steve one day. And then uh, when we saw each other at the championship, we're like, let's let's give Steve a call. And, you know, those are the little things that I think give Steve a lot of um, strength um, that, um, you know, he's remembered, he, he's appreciated, and, and his friends are always there to, uh, to, to love on him and, and hold his hand and and just let him know that you support him because that's um, that's about the only few ways you can do it. Kevin, for first-time Super Bowl participants, and of course you were a rookie in 1985. What's going through their heads right now for for the first timers? Obviously, this is old hat to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But if you're a first-timer, if you're a rookie, or gosh, if you've been in the league 12, 15 years and you've finally gotten that opportunity, as we start to now really zero in, we were just over 48 hours away from the game, what in the world are you thinking about? Yeah, I think it's getting real right now. You know, um, you go through the motions. They try to, even though you're in Vegas, they, they still give you, you know, that they want that week to be as normal as possible. So you're still getting your, your probably your Tuesdays off, your Mondays kind of a, you know, recovery, uh, start to get ready, get your game plan. But when it gets to be Thursday evening, you know, you, you're you're in the game mode at that point, and I think you start to realize the um, size of the game that you're playing in, uh, what you're playing for. You start to recognize that you have that opportunity that you dream about uh, from a from a young kid, and especially as a rookie, you know, you start to talk about and you start to try to get in your mind that you're going to have the perfect game. This is a game where you need to have a perfect game. And uh, does that always happen? Absolutely not. But I think when you go in as a player and you're um, demanding perfection of yourself uh, to where it's a productive 
demand, not not a, a something that would deter you or or make you nervous. But the opportunity to be perfect on the biggest stage is something that, um, you know, can make or break you, to be honest with you. And that and that's something that you just don't know how many shots you'll get at it. You know, I, I, I got one my, my rookie year, um, and, you know, it looked like, boy, we're going to be doing this for quite a while, and we never made it back. And uh, that's that's just how tough it is to get there. So, Thursday night, you know, you're crawling in bed. You're starting to dream about big plays. You're starting to dream about victory. And um, then you also start to be thankful. You need to be thankful and, and just relish the moment because it's it's awful hard to get there, especially with the NFL nowadays. You know, they want every team to be 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine right. at the end of the season, and anybody can win it. And um, that's kind of the, the game you're in now. So you, you take advantage of it, and it, it certainly starts on Thursday evening. When you were laying there in bed the week of the game thinking about it, were you hoping, thinking, all right, I, I want this to come down to me making a kick to win the game? Uh, is there a part of you going, hey, I hope we beat them 46 to 10, and, and that's what happened? Or did you try not to spend time getting caught up in the what-ifs? No, I, I, I spent time uh, dreaming about that moment. I mean, I think you have to. Um, and I was fighting some demons, buddy. That, that had not been the nicest um, nicest of stadiums to, to me in college, you know. Uh, mm. I'd had some trouble down there. I'd, I'd missed some kicks. And, you know, it was something that we had lost championships. Um, and, you know, when you go to a place like that, you know, that's probably I was wishing we were going to be playing in the Rose Bowl or something. <laughs> I didn't. I would have not picked – you know, New Orleans to go back down there um, just because of being a little superstitious. And and then, you know, losing to Penn State, losing to Pittsburgh, and mm. all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing another team from the north. And um, But, you know, those nights you still you still dream about that winning kick. I think you have to. If you're, if you're a kicker and you're going to be successful, you have to embrace that moment. You have to, to be in that moment. You have to hope for that moment. So when it comes – um, you're not surprised. You're not. You're not wowed. You're going. I'm ready for this. You know. I know exactly what it's going to feel like. I know exactly what I'm going to do, and that's what I'm going to go out there and do. The moment cannot be bigger than the opportunity, and the opportunity is to, you know, be a strong kicker every time. Kevin, talking about the, the, the '85 Bears, you guys came close but didn't get back. One of the things I think where college does have the advantage, whether you're talking about the final four, whether you're talking about the national championship game, there's a chance that the two best teams wind up playing each other for the title. That doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. In the pros, sometimes the two best teams might be in the same conference. Now there, there were some years, the Yankees and the Red Sox had the two best teams. They can't play each other in the world series. And in your prime with the bears, the NFC was so insanely good with the 49ers dynasty, with Joe Gibbs winning three Super Bowls with Washington, with the Giants and Bill Parcells, with you guys, it is pretty nuts to think all four of those franchises, and it's not like the Eagles weren't any good. You know, it's not like Minnesota wasn't any good, that all four of those franchises were, were just powerhouses at, at, at the same time in that same era. Yeah, you know, it, it really goes back to how teams were built, um, I think, back then. And I think when you got on a run and you, you had team 
team players and teams come together and start to gel. I think that's something that we used to talk about and hear about. You know, when the ESPN days started, you you know, you knew who was going to be on the bulk of your roster each year. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of movement. Um, you know, players would be there. You would get new guys through the draft, maybe one or two free agents. But we really didn't have free agency until probably my third or fourth year. So, you know, you had to build a team and you had to, to stick with that team and you had to develop them. And I think that's what Buddy Ryan did, and that's certainly what Ed Hughes, our our offensive coordinator, and Coach Ditka, that's what they did and that's what they built. And, you know, they, they really did feel in my year, my rookie year, that they needed a, a new kicker um, just because I think at that point Bob Thomas had – and missed a couple of key field goals, but he was still coming off his best year ever at, I think, almost 85%, which was damn near unheard of back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was more than just a, a kicker. They needed a, a new attitude in that position, and um, that gave me a chance. And, you know, at that point, um, you know, you, you'd, you wouldn't just fire a kicker. You, you, you know, I was lucky that Mike Dicka stood by me um, when I had some tough days, and I had a lot of tough days up there in Chicago, just weather-wise and conditions, um, but it wasn't something that, you know, they were snap judgment or they could turn around and go just go get somebody off the street and pull them in. I think today you you have, you know, your, your free agency and your channels for more players, especially in the kicking position, uh, is plentiful. And, you know, you have to be – 85 to 95% of a successful kicker now, or you're not even getting into camp. So right. it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. But the difference, as you were saying, uh, Jeff, is, is you know, they built teams, they stuck with teams, they developed players, and Chicago was really gelling um, the year before when they got beat. Um, they got beat by Frisco in, in, the, in the championship, or, or yeah, what, the yep. championship. And, um, you know, they knew and they talked about it in April, and that was my first meeting that I went to, um, that they were about winning the championship this year and nothing was going to stop them. And I'm telling you, I walked out of that room, I was as fired up as I'd ever been, and I knew it was real. I'd been in situations that were real before, and uh, I knew that that locker room and that meeting room um, was no BS, man. They were they were they had their <laughs> eyes set on one thing, and uh, – uh, they made a physical statement the year before when they played the Raiders, probably in one of the most physical, um, meanest games in NFL history. Um, four quarterbacks got knocked out, maybe even six quarterbacks got knocked out, and the game was finished with Walter Payton, a quarterback for the Bears, and I think Ray Guy was quarterback for the Raiders. Um, <laughs> it, it was that mean and that violent, and that was the game that they always talked about, and I wasn't there. But that was the game they always talked about when they they flipped the, the table on the Raiders and the Bears became that physical team that you did not want to play that the Raiders had held from you know most of the 70s. That's a great story. Walter Payton and Ray Guy at quarterback. All right, speaking of, KB, before we let you go, our buddy Jay Rad, diehard dog fan, he tweeted in a question. J.D., ask KB how strong was Payton in the weight room? Huh. I don't think I ever saw him there. Um, he uh, no, Walter was not a weight room guy. But you, 
his house he had a he had a great weight room he had the uh he had the, the sand hills out back that everybody he would take everybody over there one point in your career and, and you know and he'd say you know if i'm not there on tuesday and wednesday this is where i'll be come work out with me if you want to and yeah i never chose that because that was <laughs> just a dreadful hill to run up probably i think i made it one and a half times before i threw up and um, that was that was a kicker record. He said no kicker had ever made it past one. Um, but he was a consummate pro. He was always ready. Uh, but no, you 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 didn't have any conversations with him in the in the weight room. Awesome stuff, KB. Uh, who do you think wins this game? Because I'm going to give you my take. I think Vegas is telling you San Fran's going to win. But Mahomes is an underdog three straight. Just looking at the quarterback matchups, I'm pulling for Charlie Werner here. I, I just have a hard time going against Mahomes. San Fran favored by two. If you're going up to the window in Vegas, you know, betting with uh, Drew's hard-earned twenty dollars, who are you putting that uh, that twenty-dollar bill on Sunday? Well, I'm gonna I'm putting it on Kansas City, and and the reason is, you know, big games. I just look at the quarterback, and um, you know, big quarterbacks win the big games. And not that Purdy has not had a great year, and and he really has. He's he's done well, but. You know, the 49ers in the last two games have really put themselves in some situations. They, they kind of fall behind, and, and, and then they, you know, all of a sudden shut down the team and make a big catch-up. I just don't see you shutting down Kansas City. So Kansas City goes out there and, and jumps on San Francisco like San Francisco's letting teams do right now, and plus that's what Kansas City likes to do. Um, I think it'd be very hard for Kansas City to catch back up. I mean, for San Francisco to catch back up to Kansas City if they do fall behind. I just, again, I, I got to go with Kansas City, uh, Mahomes, um, gosh, Taylor Swift. I mean, they got. <laughs> oh, KB, you're the best. I appreciate the time and congratulations again to, to you and all your teammates on the great Steve McMichael headed to Canton in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Couldn't be happier for him. Send out big love to him. Thank you.